Welcome back to the Hustle Guy podcast with me, Uktai. This week, I found Miss Gina Tonic in a beautiful recording studio while I was just sitting on the floor with a microphone and my questions. That was it. Look, she was everything that I expected and even more. A very smart girl with a larger-than-life personality, a beautiful zebra-printed dress, and a long blonde hair. In this week's episode, we will be talking about freelance journalism, networking yourself to success, and tips on how to pitch a good idea and self-publications listen up and enjoy this podcast damn okay and, <laughs> and, and me on my fucking floor right now but never, <laughs> never mind <laughs> i know she's fancy i get it i don't pay for it though so i'm not that posh well you don't need to pay for it you don't need to pay for it even better that you don't pay for it if you ask me. <laughs> um by the way gina can i just say i'm such a fan <laughs> the fact that I'm speaking to you right now, I am a little bit nervous and I, d- I don't get nervous. That's the thing. I've, <laughs> I've been excited to interview all of my guests so far, but when I started this podcast, I remember I was like, mm, imagine if I can have somebody. I was like, one of those people, I want to be, I want it to be Gina Tonic. Oh my God. And when I messaged you and I was like, you know what? I'm going to grow the balls and I'm going to message her. I found her I found her email, ginatonic.co.uk, by the way, <laughs> if you want to find her. And then you replied. You were like, yeah, let's go. Let's just do it. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I am so excited right now. That's so fucking cute. I feel like a celeb. <laughs> you are, though. You are. I, th- I think, in a sense, you are in your circle, I suppose you are. Yeah. In the circle TV program. In the circle. <laughs> I, I don't think I, oh no, I, I think I remember it. I don't watch much TV. That's oh my fine. God. It, I was obsessed with it and then they asked me to be on it and then lockdown happened and I was like, to be honest, I'm 27 years old. I really shouldn't be trying to be tally is that, famous. Is that the one where they go into house, into like different rooms? Yeah, and they're in like <gasps> a little flat and they're like all texting and some of them are catfishing and stuff. But I think like if I went on it, I just wouldn't care if someone was catfishing. So no. I wouldn't be a very good contestant because I'd be like, I'm fine. Let, let's go just talk. Go after yeah. this. Ah! <laughs> oh my god, you would be amazing reality TV, by the way. That's what I assume. I always but... say, like, if I could sing, I would be famous by now, but I can't, unfortunately. Yeah, I I did have my fair share of those tries. I had one, cha- <laughs> I had one charity concert for this captain that was basically abducted or something like that, and I went to a concert to sing for him, so they let him go. And I sang Elvis Presley, Love Me Tender. Oh my God, sexy. Just looking back on it, I went to like this, like, you know, there's like singing and dancing groups you go to when you're like a child. Yeah. On like weekends, so your parents can get you out the house. I went to one of them and like a St. John's ambulance building and you had to audition to get in, but it was one of those ones where like everyone just got in. They were just trying to like teach kids that that happens. Yeah, yeah. And I did the audition and I was nine years old, Welsh as fuck, um, was <laughs> with the printed out. No, no, I didn't even have a print out because I'd learned it. Of Where is the Love by Black Eyed Peas. Did the whole thing, the rap, the song, everything. Fuck off. <laughs> did it. I can, I can just picture myself doing it as well. Did it. They've got everyone in a room after and they went, right, of, you're all in, but some of you need to think about your song choices. And I, I remember really like f- physically looking around the room like, these bitches don't have taste. Yeah, yeah. But clearly yeah. they meant me because I was <laughs> rapping like, where is in this, and I can't sing to add to it. I love the fact <laughs> that you didn't choose 
like a song like with one singer you chose a whole group song of like what four <laughs> what was the black eyed peas with like four people literally four of them four of them all the parts and everything <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> by the way, um, welcome to anybody who's going to listen to this. Um, this is the Hustle Guide podcast. Welcome back. I'm here with the legendary, the larger than life persona that is D, Gina Tonic. Welcome, Gina Tonic, to the Hustle Guide Thanks podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank Woo. you for having me. <laughs> like, I, like I was saying, you were, uh, you were definitely a dream guest of mine. And I'm very, very happy you were here. <laughs> You're here. I love the print, by the way. If anybody obviously has seen Gina Tonic, you're, you're very out there with the fashion. And I appreciate it yeah. so much. And I am blessed to have a family who appreciates so much as well. Because I showed, I showed you the other day to my mom and my dad. And they loved you. They were like, oh. who's this? Who are you interviewing? <laughs> I'm a family favorite. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Gina, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. Um, I'm Gina Tonic. Like you said, I'm a freelance journalist, editor, and the co-founder of the Fat Zine. I'm current um, digital editor for Polyester Zine as well. And obviously, as I said, I've got bylines in ID, Vice, Dazed, um, Cosmopolitan. You kind of name it. I've <laughs> put my foot in it. But you also have a lot of, I would say, like a lot of queer influence, just the name Gina Tonic. So surprisingly, Gina Tonic is not your actual name, I presume. No, I always no. get people being like, is that your real name? And I'm like, yes, yeah, so Mr. and Mr. Tonic had a kid and they thought, hmm, we've used Gordon now. Let's have Gina. No, it's not my real name. My real name's Gina Jones, which is as Welsh as it can Gina Jones. I love that, by it the way. It still sounds good. It sounds <laughs> like very good. It sounds very much like an author name. Like, uh, what was it? What was that? Like, um, Bridget Jones, you know, yeah. and she, like the Diaries of Bridget Jones. You could have played that out quite a well, I've by the way. I've got big well. Bridget Jones energy. How did the name Gina Tonic come, by the way? Do you love just the gin and tonic? And you were like, you know what? My name is Gina and let's go. It happened because my friend used to work in this bar and I always used to go in there and write and we'd just do shots and just get really hammered while working. And I was just sat there and I was like, we always used to say like, what would our drag name be? And then I was like, I've got it, I've got it. It would be Gina Tonic. And then I changed my Facebook name to Gina Tonic because I always just cha- I always used to just have like when Facebook name would always just be Just random different. names, yeah. Yeah, just stupid shit. Yeah, I changed it and then I started working for Polyester. So it must have been like five or six years ago. And I was talking to the editor for that. I only gamble through Facebook Messenger all the time. And then I think she credited me for something as Gina Tonic. And I was like, that's a lot better. Like, it just looks a lot cooler. There's probably loads of Gina Joneses out there because Jones is like the most common name, mm. in, like the Western world anyway. So I was like, yeah, I'll be a Gina Tonic then. But I kind of wish I'd been Gina Colada now. Gina Colada? <laughs> That that is that is high end drag, by the way. Gina Colada. What is if your I ever go if I ever go into drag, then that'll be like the other persona, Gina Colada. I was gonna say you can afford that because the persona, the writer, Gina Tonic, and the drag queen, Gina Colada. <laughs> when did you start freelance writing? Because it's a bit of a weird one because I always wanted to be a creative writer ever since I was tiny. I remember I wanted I told my mom I wanted to be an orthodontist because I thought I can write books, but I'll make loads of money being a dentist. My mum was like, that's not what that means. (laughs) And then I went to um, university for creative writing. And then in the end of my second year of the summer, I was like, I need to get an internship or something. Like, I don't want to be one of these hoes who's just got a degree. I need some, like, experience as well. Yeah. So I applied for loads of different ones, like ones in publishing, then applied for one journalism one. And the only one that got back to me was the journalism one. So I was like, fuck it, I'll just do it. Something to do. 
and I just loved it like I loved the um, community I loved writing like that I just had never thought about doing it myself but I just really enjoyed it and then when I finished um, university I was really lucky I'd made friends with this girl <laughs> this writer who's also an editor Marie Southerd Ospina I made friends with her on a train she just was like this fat fabulous beautiful woman I was on this train from Leeds to Manchester and when she got off the train I was like I need to be friends with this woman so I chased after her no I was like I, I know you from somewhere because I recognized her because I think her picture had been shared on like Tumblr or something <laughs> I was like I know you from somewhere and she was like oh and she's American as well and she had this mm. gorgeous like velvety accent and she was like oh no sorry I, I don't I don't know and I was <laughs> like well here's my number let's be friends and she was like to be honest I've only just moved here so yeah I need more friends and we became really good friends and kicked it off and she worked for this publication called Bustle Mm. Um, when it was first starting out and then she moved back to America moved to New York and got an editor role there and then when I finished university she messaged me and was like I think you should do this as a job so I had a full-time job at Bustle working remotely from the UK for about a year maybe a year and a half Mm. and then following that they changed editors and I didn't really I just kind of I think they changed their policy they had like a big switch around basically yeah and we're like we don't really have like room for shifts for international writers anymore and then like I'm very open about it I had like a really suffered a really really bad nervous breakdown mm-hmm. around the same time but just partially from losing my job but from like some family issues and obviously just being like a crazy chick <laughs> and then um I went that I was after I recovered from that I've got a full-time job doing social media for this vintage brand and then also move, work my way up to being the e-commerce manager but in my spare time for that I always wrote anyway so I had like the odd byline here and there but nothing like consistent like I'm doing now and then would you where... sorry to sorry to stop you would you say <laughs> that a lot of times with freelancers like you'll be having the time of your life you'll be getting some gigs here and there to ride but you just have to have something on the side when you're starting. I think it was just, you kind of have, um, you have to, like, it's just a symptom of the industry. Obviously, like, you could do this while you're working at university and you've got money coming from loans. You could do it while you're just living at home and don't have bills to pay and things like that. But I do think a lot of the time it's important to start out with something to lean back on for money. Um, But at the start of last year, I just had had enough with my, my day job. I was sick of it. The owner was a massive bell end. <laughs> and yeah. I just handed him my notice. I was like, I've had enough. I've handed him my notice. Got a job at um, a fast fashion brand doing copywriting. Okay. And on the first day of lockdown, they called me and went, sorry, we don't have a job for you anymore. And I was like, that's really, really helpful because I've quit a job and now I've lost another job. And it's literally the start of a pandemic. And they were like, yeah, sorry about it. I was like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? So what did like, you fu- yeah. what, what the fuck did you do Gina because <laughs> I would lose my mind I feel like like for a second I would be like this is not happening right now so how did you I just had to had to hustle yeah yeah well so I had to just start writing I was writing and then I was getting more gigs and then I was writing and then I came back to polyester and then I was writing and then I got more gigs and then and then four months later pre- no, I can't see the brand. Four months, four months later, the brand ring me up and go, uh, we've sold loads of tracksuits and face masks. Do you want to come back and do the copywriting job? I was like, yeah, actually, I probably should have a nine to five. Um, I, I should just do it. Yeah. I should have something reliable. And my mum was like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. And my boyfriend was like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. So I, went, I did one day, got all the equipment home, looked at it all and went, nah, fuck this, I'm not doing it. And then <laughs> rang my mum and mum was like, just do a week. I was like, what's the point in doing a week? 
I might as well just quit. And yeah. then my boyfriend was like, just do the week. I was like, I'm not doing the week. I'm quitting tomorrow morning. So I rang them up and went, I'm really sorry, but I'm not doing this. Like I need, if I don't do it now, when will I? Yeah. And I've been being successful at it. So I was like, if I don't take the plunge and, and rely on my skill set to be a writer, I would have never done it. So I'm quite, it's kind of just like a series of things happened in a, the right order during a pa- global pandemic um, that put me in this position. That is the weirdest thing, isn't it? Because I've spoken with other people as well that their freelance career has actually like escalated so much since the pandemic has gone because they're like, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? Or they lost other opportunities that allowed them to do this. So it's very similar to you as well. It's very much what you make of it, I presume, as well for you. Would you agree with that? You kind of just have to roll with the punches. I think I think it's definitely one of those things where everyone was just put in the position being like, what do you want out of life? What do you want? Mm. What are you going to be enthusiastic about? Well, how are you going to hustle? And when when you get put in that position, you do just have to be like, it feels like life and death. Obviously, it's not. Um, and it was funny because a week after my mom rang me and she's a nurse mm. and she rang me and she went, I'm really sorry. And I went, why? What have you done? And she went, no, because I've not supported you. I told you you made a bad decision oh. and I, I was wrong. She was like, because when she was 30, after having me and my two brothers, she went mm. back to university to train to be a nurse. Mm. Mm-hmm. She said that everyone said to her, that's stupid. You've got three kids. Why have you done that? Like, you shouldn't do it. And she's like, I'm so glad I took the plunge because she loves being a nurse and she's been a nurse for over 20 years now. Amazing. So she was like, I'm going to support you in the same way now. Take a look at me now. Look at look at where we're now. Two successful people sitting in front of each other. Look at <laughs> um, do you think, because you said you uh, you studied, uh, what writing was it? Creative writing? Yeah, English was- and creative writing at Manchester Metropolitan University. Fancy. Sounds fancy. Was no, it- it's like the shit one. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay, fair enough. I don't know. Was it, do you, do you think your degree was useful? And I'm getting I'm getting this question now from an article. I'm going to be saying a couple of stuff from your articles because I've read a lot of them. You did have a very nice um, article about I have the most useless degree in Europe, (laughs) which you somehow made it very optimistic, by the way, Uh, for anybody who's wondering what she's talking about there, go find it. Everything's online. But do you think your degree was useful that you can use it now as well? I think it was very useful. I think it gave me a look at uh, a way of looking at writing that's different to maybe people who do a journalism degree or do um, copywriting degrees or marketing degrees because I see women as creative more than like fitting a purpose, I suppose. Yeah. Um, But I think what I really liked about that article when I concluded it and when I thought about it was the idea that further education shouldn't be something that we only partake in for educational purposes or for furthering our careers I'd say I think we should be able to partake in higher education for enjoyment and for learning's sake and it's something that's been robbed from us because they've put so much many high fees on it and so many class issues on it and all sorts of things but I genuinely believe that higher education should be more accessible and more seen as a thing of joy. I was very um, blessed from being Welsh because when they put the fees up to nine grand a year in this in the UK, mm. the Welsh Assembly government went, nah, me. <laughs> they went, nah, you're not paying that. So I pay three grand a year and then the rest was subsidised through the Welsh government. So I'm very really? blessed in that, that regard as well for being um, Welsh. Oh, Welsh. I like. You are a very loud and proud Welsh woman and you do put it in your work and I see it around Twitter as well. And I yesterday I saw on Twitter that somebody did message you about one of the things you wrote. 
and you, and you told them just write your own fucking article leave it alone <laughs> do you deal with people because you know obviously when writing these things you're putting yourself out there when you're yeah. writing those words are you like fuck let me delete this because somebody might think of this how do you keep it straightforward and keep it genotonic and just move on i think i'm worse for it because I quite like winding people up so I'm like good. oh I'm writing this article about a united Celtic nation I could quite easily say but England's good but I was like no it's a steam and shit pile because <laughs> I was just like that's how I feel and I want to be honest about it like um if if you're not if you're writing things that you're not being completely honest to how you feel or how you perceive life then how are you going to be able to back it up when people do come for you because yeah. if people like the genotonic narrative they're going to come back for it rather than you flip-flopping from an article to an article, it just wouldn't make sense. Another article of yours I read, which I think is one of your best ones, and it's very, it's very transparent and it's very raw, which is quite amazing, the way you wrote, wrote it, that you were 4,500 pounds in debt when you, when you finished university, I believe. Was it around that time? Um, it was a bit after. So um, when I finished university, I was actually free of debt. Okay. And then that's why I was able to take the plunge on doing the shift work and it was well paid. And then I, when I had my nerves break down, I accumulated a lot of debt around them. So how did, how did that change your career and dreams really? It changed my career completely because I went from, I was literally on benefits sitting in bed crying every day. <laughs> um, and then I got the full-time job um, doing the retail e-commerce social media for the vintage brand full-time and having a nine-to-five really picked me up and it, it made me just appreciate how hard it is for people and, and how hard it is to pull yourself out of a hole but also made me really aware of my strength and my my sense of character I think and being able to work my way through it and I think without like having that job I think I, I learned a lot about my own work the way that I work and I think I wouldn't really like to go back to a nine to five now, but come into like this, um, come into Huckletree, which is like a co-working space, hmm. revolutionized freelance. And I don't think if I had it, I would have stuck with it this year because I'm very much like an in-person kind of person. So I like yeah. me getting up, getting dressed, going somewhere, seeing people every day. So I think that um, that's what I took away from having the nine to five e-commerce job. And now I'm better set. So like, I know that as a freelancer, I wouldn't be one of those people who are like, oh yeah, I'll just do it for my set all day. I have to get up and go. You have to go but somewhere. I think it was a, yeah. It was a, yeah, it was a great lesson for me to learn. It, it kind of inspired me as well to look into the different opportunities you have when you have um, mental health issues at a particular time to look for help, even in financial institutions such as banks. And for you, you were like, oh, I called them and I was crying on the phone that I'm having a mental breakdown now and I cannot pay my debt. So what are we going to do about it? And I never knew that they can actually help you in those situations. Yeah. So when, um, when I pitched it to my editor, he Ryan, he was like, I didn't know banks did that. And I was like, I think um, maybe they don't publicize it because it's a bit of a, still a bit of a taboo subject, obviously mental health. Yeah. But when I rung them up, like they couldn't have been more understanding. Like I literally was on the phone being like, right, so I've had two suicide attempts this year. One was in summer, one was at Christmas. Do you really think on my minimum wage job that I've taken, I can afford one pound a day <laughs> fees and pay you back? And they were like, no, yeah, you're right. <laughs> let right. us do something right. about it. <laughs> yeah i think the more like you're honest with people the more people can do for you 
in general I, it's just about having the strength to be honest as well you you said you obviously now you're an editor and stuff like that and that's that's a bit foreign to me so if we can please go through the process of how let's say if I want to have an article and I want to publish it somewhere where the hell do I start from so I think the there's two things you need when pitching and the first thing is a great idea obviously the second one you need to kind of have evidence of your writing or like proof of your writing like things where you've been published that people can see how you write as well because you can have a great idea and you could write it really badly you can have a crap idea and write it really well you need both those things to make it work especially for publications like vice and id when i was working for bustle i was also writing for free for um some underground publications like sister but polyester zine mainly the thing is you don't have to write for free to have proof of your writing you could have a blog you could have mm. start your own publication you can have something just a p- part of the internet where you've got some written work where you can be like this is the way that i write so you can present that with your ideas and then i think a lot of the time you just need to compile that into an email and most publications will have that style guides on how to write a pitch so different p- publications will have different ways of pitching as well like when I pitched for the Telegraph I didn't write in the way that I pitched for Vice absolutely you pick it up there's like so many guides and like access out there for you to read and I know like ID have this quite prominently on their website and literally if you just search like publication pitch guide it'll usually come up so you can just use that and then just put your idea in it a couple of sentences about why you think it would work and why you're the person to write it and then some examples of your work but I'm lucky now because I've made my website so I can just be like (laughs) here you go so what is a good idea for you? A good idea is something that you maybe not read before. And mm. I think a good idea is something that's like, if you threw it out into your friendship group, does it get laughs? Because I do, like, I like doing comedic stuff. And then, or does it get debated? And I'm literally right, literally submitted copy for one for advice about which way you meant to wipe your ass, stood up or sit down. And that just sounds ridiculous, but it's so controversial because people who do either, like, back it 100%, that, that's why they do it. That's why they do it. <laughs> I researched it and was like, fuck it, why do why do we do it? And it turned out that from party training, you're taught to do it stood up. And then most people end up sitting down because they're like, this is comfier. And some people never knew that you could sit down. <laughs> but stuff like that, like that idea was just me going to my mates at the pub going, why do you wipe your ass? Do you do it stood up or sit down? And it just evolved into that and it evolved into... Didn't you one time... I, I don't know if you published it and I'm really sorry if it's not true, but I have a memory, I think from this summer about an article, the health benefits of swallowing cum. That has been published. It's been published on the breakdown. Um, It was supposed to be originally for Vice and then they had some like video thing go up that was along the same lines around the same time and it caused a lot of controversy because people were like well there's no science scientific fact in this woman that you've interviewed in this thing mine had scientific facts i asked a scientist whose job was literally to find out the benefits <laughs> of cum um yeah so it got scrapped but um a lot of publications um are really good where like say if you've been commissioned to write something for them and then they'll pay you like a kill fee and then they'll say either say yes you can get this put this somewhere else or no you can't put this somewhere else and when I started the breakdown as sex and relationships editor I've got this piece it's already written let's just put it up and Gladwell who is a legend as well and the um, editor-in-chief of the breakdown was like yeah let's put it up so let's go back yeah. to the fact that you were featured in Cosmopolitan with an article yeah. titled why I only want to have sex with fat bodies Obviously, Mm -hmm. that's, it's not really on brand for Cosmopolitan to do something like that. 
a bit mainstream. Yeah, 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 yeah. How how do you break that down that barrier to go to Cosmopolitan and be like, this is what I want to do. It's not really on brand for you, but it's on brand for me, and it's good. So you're gonna take it. It really does depend on these things with the editor that you work with, and the editor at Cosmopolitan, Paisley Gilmore, is a fucking legend. Um, so she just put on Twitter being like, I'm looking for pictures, and I was like. <laughs> go on then and it's really an honor to be honest to write for cosmopolitan because it's such one of those like women's brands um even yeah. if it's a bit cliche it's still exciting and yeah i just pitched it to her and she was like i love you i love your work i'd love for you to write this and i've written like a couple of more things for them since and i think they are really trying to open themselves up to being more inclusive with their content as well especially online but i don't know if i'm allowed to <laughs> say but the um that piece in particular is going to be in the print issue in February. <laughs> uh, what, what, what would you say was like a, a really good pivotal moment in your career that you're using it right now? Like, was it something like an article you wrote that really blew up? Was it your Twitter in terms of like your personal brand? Something that really moved you really straight um, ahead? I think creating the fat zine mm. this, um, spring, well, last spring really was like um, groundbreaking, not just for my sense of self-worth as a writer and editor and like content pro producer, but also as like the impact that it's had has been really special to me and my heart. Did you experience any challenges when publishing it? Um, it was obviously, it was quite hard on a physical level because I co-founded it with Chloe Shepard, who's an incredible she's artist. She's amazing, by the way. Yeah, she's yeah, fabulous. She, she's great. Um, I've known her for years. And then she moved home due to um, some unfortunate circumstances and was like, I've got all this spare time. And I was like, well, I've got all this spare time because I've been fired twice. Well, not fired twice, but <laughs> quit two yeah, jobs. Quit jobs. And, then, <laughs> and all the like zines and all the merch and stuff is at her in a nan's garage. So she's like in charge of just posting it and stuff. And then obviously we've had all like the COVID delays and stuff where people aren't getting their things and we kind of have to be. And it's, it's a bit frustrating because people will approach you like your Amazon and be like, here's my order number where is my parcel and you're like oh god and with this it's like I, it's, it's upset because I want people to get it I don't want to be giving people refunds it's not really about the money especially because the money for the first issue is going to Black Lives Matter charities anyway it's not for us amazing um it was more just upsetting for <laughs> I want people to be able to have it and hold it and were there yeah. any expectations when releasing it because obviously I I know this was a big like this is your baby you've wanted yeah. to do this for a very long time it's a topic that you relate to a lot it's very something very close to your heart so when you put something out there and it's not only digital you can actually hold it in your hands were you expecting anything were you expecting for people to be this is amazing or were you like fuck it I'm just mm -hmm. going with the flow um I think we were just we were just excited to create it and have it even if just we were gonna hold it mm. and we kind of knew that it would we kind of knew it would do somewhat well at least like in our circles we both got like a bit of a following and things we were like it'll, it'll do all right I think we printed 400 or 500 copies for the first one and then it sold out within like a month or something so we re reprinted it and now we've sold over like 1,000 copies of it and it's just so special and exciting to think that that many people have got one and uh, relate to it and it, it's something that helps them. That is amazing really, because yeah, I've never, I've never seen anything like it, by the way, and the visuals and everything like that. It's so positive and beautiful. Did you, did you uh, or I presume maybe Chloe, because she's a photographer, is everything original in it? Everything's original. So wow. it's mainly submission based. 
but we also like um contacted some people to do things like we contacted Lashawnee to do a playlist I interviewed Jay Krakauer because I just love her um some things were I think Chloe wrote an essay approached my other friend I approached Marie um got her to write an essay so it's hard like a bit creative bit submission based but everything in it is like original content for the fazine you've interviewed some really great people do you have like Thank a favorite do you have like a favorite um when I interviewed Jimbo it was really like it was just so surprising to me how honest and candid and just what a beautiful soul that he has yeah um he was my favorite on Canada's Drag Race I think he was everyone's favorite on Canada's Drag Race um but on the phone like I kind of expected it to be um maybe like him not to take it as seriously or maybe not him to be to be a bit more jokey but he had a very a huge sense of authenticity and of self that really touched me I really appreciated it oh and interviewing Cupcake was of course incredible so Gina to finalize what is the future codes for Gina Tonic and what is the future hope for the fad zine as well so we've just closed submissions or we're closing them tomorrow yeah I think tomorrow submissions close for the fat zine too and we're hoping to release it on Valentine's Day Ooh. Um, and the issue theme is love. And I think there's going to be, going forward, there's going to be no genotonic without the fat zine. And I hope that it becomes not just something that people associate with me, but of its own publication and held in its mm. own regard. But I also also hope that it's something that maybe I can eventually pursue full time. Oh, really? Fingers crossed. Oh, fingers That's, crossed. That, I think that would be, the, like, me and Chloe haven't paid ourselves, we haven't paid ourselves a penny. We're hoping maybe as things go on, we'll be able to get a bit of <laughs> um, reimbursement. And we hope with issue two, we are. Um, we've been raising money through merch and things like that to be able to pay people because I think it is really important to pay people. We're going to hopefully be able to start getting budget for it and make it a bigger thing because we've sold out of issue one and people are asking for it. You are the exact same person I would I imagined you to be. And even me <laughs> reading your tweets or your articles, you are that person. So you're Thank so you. authentically the Gina Tonic brand. Oh, I love that so, so and I love that so much. So Yeah, I'm just a mad cow. Look, I don't want to keep you for much longer, so I'm going to thank you once again. Thank you to Gina Tonic for being to the Hustle Guy podcast. Made my life, made this whole experience oh. worth it. Having a podcast is not an easy job, but interviewing people like you, meeting people like you, is actually so much fun to me, and I love it. So oh. thank you so much to Gina Tonic for coming to the Hustle Guy podcast, and she's going to come again one day yeah. to promote the fad zine and yes. all of that good stuff. We could so. do um, the Billie Eilish same interview every yeah <laughs> Gina, don't challenge me girl because i'll do that i'll do it i'm down uh, let's do it next year in this 2022 cool i'm gonna let you go now gina right, thank darling. you so much bye bye this episode of the hustle guide podcast was executively produced and hosted by oktai asanov if you want to take part of the hustle guide experience send us a dm on our instagram page d underscore hustle guide the hustle guide is powered by our clubbers cic